So, Brando, by the way, um, I noticed a couple of things when I was looking at your photos that you put out from the Rockport Dive. Yeah. Compared to my photos from the Rockport Dive. Yeah. One of them looks like they're from a professional photographer. <laughs> <laughs> one of them looks like it's from a clown with a camera. Stop. No, but I, I did um, I did have a, like a, a serious question for you, though, because um, this was one of the things that when I first saw the, the photos that you posted with compared to something that I was struggling with in that like weird haze of visibility, like I was noticing, like if you look at like that, those shots that I took of Nick, I've got Nick in there, but I don't have much to really show off the 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 environment visibility yeah. yeah the environment like your shots really show how how nice the visibility actually was because you've got so much more of that distance behind and in front of me like in, in those shots you know I, I i know what you're saying i get it i'm looking at your photo right now though and uh i think we're at different distances from our subject number one but the the focal lengths they should be pretty close to the same. I mean, you're you are using a ten seventeen, right? Correct. And even if you've got it dialed all the way into seventeen, uh, I have an eight fifteen focal length, and I keep it at thirteen. I don't have the zoom gear for it on this camera, which I don't really use. I don't. I hardly ever zoom with my uh, wide angle, so I just keep it set at about thirteen fourteen. So I don't get any um, vignetting, vignetting. Right, and I think I've got mine all the way at ten. That's so. That's wide open. That's that's much wider than mine. So yours should look should even be wider, right? Did you crop this at all? Uh, this one, I think I might have a little bit. Yeah, I'd have to look at the EXIF data. But I, but I really, but but you're right because I really came in close. And you may be, I mean, you may be a lot closer to the subject than than I am. I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm about four feet from you in that shot, maybe even a little less. And we have different dome ports, but not that different. They're both glass. You've got an eight-inch Zen dome port, and I've got a nine-inch, I believe it's Nauticam, port. So anyway, they're not too far off, but I think you add it all up, and then maybe you did a little cropping, and uh, that's why you get a little bit of what, what appears to be like a zoomed-in effect. You know, you're, it appears like you're you're close close to your subject versus I'm a little farther away and I've got a lot more of the environment in it, right? Right, right. But, I mean, the other thing is the post. I don't know what, like if this were my photo, the one that you took, I would lighten up my shadows or lighten up my blacks because uh, there's a lot of detail lost in the dry suit with the, with the dark areas. That's what I would do with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was going for that spooky feel, you know. It's spooky. It's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, this is um, again, you know, if we talk more about photography and underwater photography, I mean, this is one of those huge things that that takes you from just being a dude with a camera, uh, and and then like really trying to bring out the shot that you want to bring out. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. You know, what I call like my simple rules, my simple edits. I use the histogram a lot. Do you look at your histogram when you're doing your post, like in Lightroom? And you know, you know what the histogram is. No, I'm usually, is, right? yeah, I'm usually uh, posting to Instagram after the dive <laughs> to, to show where I just was. Is that uh, what you mean? No, 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 no. 
a histogram, not an Instagram. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, what's social the hell's, media. What the hell's a histogram? <laughs> social media humor gets me every time. But yeah, I used the histogram a lot so that, like, if I looked at the histogram on the photo of uh, of Nick that that we're looking at here, I bet there would be a lot over in the black black area, like going off. You might have a little bit like going off the chart. Which means you've lost detail in your in your blacks. Got it. Got it. So that's kind of. I mean, that's one of the things I do to kind of bring out a little more detail, a little more, so you can tell what's going on. It's just not a silhouette. Although sometimes you're going for that silhouette look, right? Right. In, right. In which case, you just you could darken the black. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> it was all in the master plan. Absolutely. So what you're saying is it's a ways before I'm a professional career underwater photographer. No, I don't think that at all. But I think, uh, I mean, you got to do some editing and have somebody critique. I think that one of the biggest things you can do for your photography to like be most impactful on it is to have people critique it and especially strangers. Is there any is there any way I can guarantee they'll only say nice things about it though? <laughs> yeah, if you go go to a, a, a blind little, man's convention. I'm a little <laughs> sensitive about my photography. I hear you. I hear you. But it is one of those things like you can't get better at something. It's just like diving. You can't get better until someone's honest with you. I've got look at these cards. Look at all these <laughs> look cards. At them all. This one says <laughs> that I can fight zombies underwater. Dude. This if one I had says that card. I'm a basket weaver that's how good my buoyancy control is i can weave a basket while i'm underwater i could weave a goddamn basket i'm so good at buoyancy control trim and basket weaving <laughs> so what you're saying is the um there's a lot of work that goes into a, f- a photograph underwater a good photograph underwater and that doesn't even begin to compare to somebody paying you to consistently take yeah. Those, I mean, that's a huge climb. Like to be a really good photographer that takes a thousand photos and posts five that can be edited post that have, you know, some really good shots compared to somebody that gets paid to go take some photography on location and comes back with a whole library of images to use consistently. Right. That's a, that's a big climb in ability. That's a, yeah, that's a huge leap. And that's kind of, you know, with anything else, what separates the the hobbyist or the amateur from the professional. And one of the biggest qualities of a, of a professional photographer is a good prof- professional photographer. There are a lot of people calling themselves professional photographers that really are not. They just have, they take a lot of pictures. But one of those key qualities is... They uh, they are consistent, and they don't waste your time. You know, they'll go out and pull back the pictures that they had in their mind, or you know, they're down there looking at something. And I mean, you look at like Donnie, who goes into very intricate planning on his photo shoots, right? Even his right. fun ones, even his fun ones. But on the on the work ones, it's like, okay, we're gonna sit down and have a. Oh yeah, he's got uh, storyboards. Yeah, I mean he's he's a pro, exactly. Right. And I'm I'm a like I like to wing it. I, I like to think I turn out really good photos at times, but I like to go down there and see what I've got to work with, you know, because plans change. There you go. That's uh, 
right there from the words, words from the mouth of the master shutter blaster, <laughs> Brando. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're also here with the master of the shutter disaster, old Jamesy. Oh, stop. You're doing a fine job, old Jamesy. I mean, really, you've only had your, your big rig out a few times, and you're feeling it out. And, I mean, you don't have the topside photography experience either. I mean, you're getting it, but... Right, that is one of the... Yeah, I I tell you what, that, that's something I feel every dive right now is I need more time topside with that camera in my hand. Just knowing the camera, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest things from the, the, the cameras that I've taken in the past compared to now having what I would call a real camera, you know... It's uh, there's a lot going on with it. You know, it's not just pushing the button and uh, the magazine cover pops out. <laughs> <laughs> Which exactly is what right I was I'm planning on. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> just just hitting that button. I think I think a lot of people go into underwater photography with that idea. Like, I'll just point and shoot. You know, point click the button. But the idea of having a camera. With all the controls, like you know, full manual capability and interchangeable lenses and all the other good stuff. The idea behind that is you uh, you learn to master that, and you can create you know a slew of different type of types of photography of of images. Right, right because it, it can do so much, which is what you know, what still blows me away. You know, when somebody spends you know, thousands of dollars on a on a camera rig and they use it not any different than whipping their iPhone out of their pocket and just snapping it in, in yeah. automatic. It really makes no sense. Just just go with a yeah, basic absolutely. little, you know, uh, automatic camera, right? Right. Right. I mean, why, <laughs> why, why did you put thousands and thousands of dollars to take with you in the water and... I mean, we should talk about a, a little bit about, and I think you're learning this, the time, that time component, the extra preparation and and even post-dive that it takes. Oh, yeah, no kidding. And, and, and don't even talk about the anxiety of, <laughs> is that thing going to be dry when you, when you get it into the water? Yeah. Right? I mean, that adds another huge portion of time right there. Like, I mean, I, I've been so used to being... The guy that can roll up to a dive site, yeah, um, I I can be the last one there. Everybody's like already like getting into their dive gear, and I'll still be the first one in the water. Right, exactly. Now <laughs> I'm just staring at the back of that camera, scratching my head. Yeah, and well, one of the tips I could give on that is I it's almost ritualistic kind of the method I use to get ready to take my camera in the water. Like I don't just grab it on the way out and go. Like it's usually the night before I sit down, I put a towel down, a nice white towel and uh, lay everything out. And then I clean it, Q-tips, clean everything out, lens cloths, clean the dome port. You make sure you got nothing on the inside of the dome port, clean your lens, you know, check your batteries, take the O-rings, take a, a, uh, there's special Q-tips that leave no fibers behind that you can buy at the photography stores usually. 
Uh, I use that and go in my little O-ring channels and go in between anything that could get like sand in it because that's a big one. Right, right. Right, with the uh, putting the parts of the housing together, the dome port and the back. Uh, anyway, I go through that and clean it, and then I'll lube everything up, inspect the O-rings, the main ones, and put it back together. So, And then I you know, make sure my batteries are good in my strobes, Make sure the arms are good and they're the clamps, ball clamps. Point them all towards you so you don't have to reach around to adjust. Just stupid. You know, it's a bunch of little things. Wow. It sounds it sounds like you take this seriously. Like like you're almost like a like a no. professional. Like like you're you're working on a career as an underwater. Well, photographer. you don't want to look like a you know, you don't want to look like a monkey. It's rule six to, for a lot of it, right? You Damn don't right. Look like you know what you're doing at least. Yeah, it's a little bit of a ritual, but so put it all together, snap a picture or two to make sure the strobes are firing. There's a card in the camera. I've got plenty of space on it. Battery's brand new. Yeah, nobody <laughs> wants to be the idiot that drives four hours up north and leaves his, uh, leaves his memory card sitting on his Well, desk. it's going to happen. And the thing about it happening is usually it'll trigger something that will make you implement methods so it doesn't happen anymore yeah like always dive with a professional like brando <laughs> who's got a who's well, got a I've been there car. i've been there brother i have forgotten batteries i have gone underwater with without a battery in the camera i've done if you can name a mistake i've done it i'm pretty sure i've done it so yeah so and i guess that's just part of the part of the learning curve right i mean uh, everybody, like we said earlier, wants to, you know, they, they get a camera and they, they get a couple of good shots and they're like, oh, this could be a, a, a photo cover shot right here, right? Because to them, it's good. They posted it on Instagram. It's got 17 likes. Right. My, my other, my other own pictures <laughs> only got two likes. This one's got 17. I could be a professional career photographer. Um, and, uh, again, we get uh, a lot of people asking about photography stuff and I thought this one was, was pretty fun. I, I came across this article written by an Adam leaders on housing camera.com. It's 10 things you must know before starting a career as an underwater photographer. And this guy's got the, real, some really good stuff in here. Absolutely. Yeah. He says that underwater photographer, Seems like the dream job for some. (laughs) (laughs) But there are many facets of this career. It's also for most a long road of learning the skills, cutting your teeth, and becoming a master marketer. As a professional underwater photographer, the question I get asked the most after how much did my camera and setup cost (laughs) has to be, how did you get started? For those of you interested in a career as an underwater photographer, I have put together a list of 10 things that you must know before starting a career as an underwater photographer. So yeah, it's uh, not as easy as uh, just throwing your iPhone into a <laughs> new a new case. You can become an Instagram superstar by throwing your you- iPhone in a case. And in reality, that's probably more lucrative than most underwater photographers. I mean, this is not the this is not the days of the seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, where where the photographers 
that were really shooting underwater were rare. There was a small pool to choose from, and uh, those guys got paid some big bucks. Nowadays, there's so much digital media out there, and there's so many stock photography mm-hmm. places where you can load up your images and get paid a, a nickel a, a, an image, you know. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a different time. Like, if you're going to be... Up, get paid regularly to be a photographer. You're you're one of a few. Yeah, you really have to set yourself apart. the The technology that has been developed over the past few decades really puts cameras in everybody's hands. You know, so the number of photographs or images that are available to the public just images just period not just underwater but has, the number of images the public consumes has access yes. to is is like a, it's like a billion yes. times what it was a decade yeah. ago exponentially yeah. it's exploded so there are so many images to choose from but you got to do something that sets yours apart that makes it look like yeah, you, that, you know what you're doing exactly you got to have I, I think if you even want a chance you need to really narrow down a niche. Right. Like you can't just be an underwater photographer anymore. Like you've got to be doing a specific kind of underwater photography. You've got to have a specific feel to your photography to even set yourself apart and get a chance. Right. Absolutely. And I mean that can be something like your environment that you're diving in is different, right? right. Going deep or going you know, the technical environment is difficult anyway as far as managing the equipment that you have to take with you and managing the environment, managing the team. The the stakes or the consequences of screwing up are much greater. Yeah, no doubt about yeah. it. I mean, you can really get yourself into danger really right. fast. And that's without a camera. So now you you throw the camera on board, which is going to the aware yes. the awareness the ultimate yeah. awareness stealer and it's it 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 occupies your hands as well so you know in between switching all those bottles underwater as you come up you know as you ascend you've got to change gases and you've got to do it with 100% focus on that task now you've got a, a giganto camera rig with you think of it 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 just complicates matters tremendously so if you're going to do that type of photography, you kind of get into like like that's your thing, right. that's your shtick. And you start to see like I'm starting to see and notice you know there's certain photography that I see that gets posted that that I like, that I that catches my eye repeatedly and I'm starting to notice that same little watermark you know, mm-hmm. the, the, there's a couple of photographers out there that, that keep catching my eye, you know, but they've got their little niche. They got their little little niche, their little flavor in that photography. Yeah, whatever it may be, you know, they've developed a style and and it's, you know, it's a common thread in all of their images, uh, which is great if you can do that. That's ideally what you're trying to do, and that style is difficult to reproduce. That helps, and it's very desirable. That really helps. So if you can do that, I think that, you know, therein lies the rub. It's not easy to do. 
Yeah, it's, I guess it's a matter of you know deciding what it is you know that that you want to do with that camera. You know, post pictures on Instagram, show them to your uh, your family that has no interest in looking at your pictures. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if you're trying to like, uh, you know, be like a commercial photographer, right. it's a big difference. And that's what his uh, first point is, is you got to decide like what type of career that you want to have. Are you doing this for journalistic, like documentary reasons? Are you trying to be artistic? Are these like scientific photos because I'm documenting, you know, fish species? Um, am I doing it for promotional ads? I mean, taking a picture for an ad, like a, a backdrop for a magazine cover or for a, a full page ad, with, you know, with a with a with ad copy laid over top of your photo is way different type of photography than putting a picture of the the brand newly discovered rainbow trumpet blenny fish you know <laughs> uh, it, it's a that's a whole different mm-hmm. type of picture taking oh yeah yeah absolutely two different types of diving two different types of photography but you, you do really gotta if you are going to make it a career you better f- figure out which avenue you're going to go into. Because if it's going to be a career, you need to be able to make money. And that's the second point is like, <laughs> how are you going to make money? If this is going to be a career, right. you got to realize. And here he says, you know, uh, selling stock photography, which pay rates typically come in somewhere around 10 cents per photo. Yeah. And there's a ton of competition. Yeah. Uh, on the on the upside of that is a lot of the competition is really bad photography. <laughs> Correct. That, that there is that benefit, right? I mean, you, you look back. I mean, I, I remember reading some stuff from um, you know old Brett Gilliam, like back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, he was getting paid, you know, seventy five to a hundred thousand dollars a year in photography. But that's in a day when like he knew how to take pictures, he knew how to write articles, mm-hmm. and there was not very many people doing it. Out mm-hmm. there doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Now everybody, you know, you know everybody who's a diver, a certified diver is a pro. <laughs> right. And most of them like most of them will do the photography, you know, for free right. if you let them stay in the resort all week, you know, for for no charge. That's yeah. my pays. You know, so in reality, you didn't get paid anything and it cost you a thousand dollars in airfare. But you got a, you know, you got a free week at the resort. Yeah. And that's how you become an underwater photographer. But that's that's not really a career that you can count on. I mean, you're not going to pay the mortgage that way. No, you're not. So, yeah, to actually become just like becoming a professional photographer in the first place. You uh, you have to find a way that actually has income coming in to support you, right? So it's tough. Exactly. You know, he mentions that there are cash prize photo competitions that you can get into, mm-hmm. right? But, I mean, it's not like winning the Masters, you know, no. <laughs> in golf <laughs> where, you're, where you're talking thousands and thousands of, of dollars, right. you know, that you can fly your private jet plane down to the annual Augusta National Underwater Photography Competition. Yeah, it's not like those fishing contests, anything like, you know. Uh, Right, yeah, there's just no money and no sponsorship in it. You win a trip, you know, you win a live-aboard trip or something, you know, at best. 
You know, you know what uh, really pisses me off is goddamn cornhole has more <laughs> uh, more sponsorship money and uh, TV shows and tournaments uh, on ESPN nowadays than uh, you can ever make from underwater right. photography. Yeah. Well, I could make more money standing in uh, the backyard with a hot dog and a a bush light can of beer, throw in a bean bag. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a better opportunity for sponsorship money. Right. I mean, but but like I say, once you can set yourself apart from the the herds of underwater photographers and images, uh, if you can do that, the business will come to you, I think. People will be looking for it. Yeah. Um, another thing he mentions is, you know, if you are a dive instructor, teaching underwater photography is is – probably one of the most obvious ways that you can actually make some money back. But for most of the underwater photography classes out there, that's a lot of classes to be able to even pay yeah. for, you know, just your camera rig. Right. And, and most of the classes, you know, like a recreational, uh, agency's underwater photography specialty class right it's really an introduction to photography and and underwater photography it's it's a very cursory introduction well yeah because you, you just don't have the the amount right. of time right to, to be able to do something. No, they're so two-day classes in those classes it's really just like making sure you know how to use you know the fifteen hundred dollar camera setup that you bought and you can certainly uh, you can certainly you know, teach quite a few of those, especially if you're down yeah. in an area. You know, you're you're an instructor down in the island somewhere for sure. Yeah, but I mean, the thing that you're not able to teach in those two days, probably one of the most critical components of being a professional underwater photographer, is the diving aspect. Wait, wait, going, wait! Slow I know, down. I'm, I'm up slow on number down. seven that's, or something. That's, that's or, number. Right? <laughs> But I just want to point out, you're not going to get that in your average recreational two-day specialty card underwater photography class, right? Well, no. I mean, that's exactly why, you know, I, I'm, I'm still teaching the essentials as my, like, main go-to class. Is most people get certification after certification mm -hmm. after certification, uh, and they just get the new thing. And underwater photography is a perfect example. It's you get that certification card as being an underwater photographer, yet you leave a trail of destruction behind you <laughs> along the way because you still haven't learned the most important part, which is the the diving. But, you know, it, if we go back to making the money, you know, he, he mentions here that not to discourage anyone, but the bottom line is if you want to make money, it has to have value to someone else or help a business in some way. The reality is that not a lot of businesses care about fish portraits <laughs> and it's super saturated market. The thing is, if marine life is your goal and passion while you are earning money, you will have the opportunity to capture beautiful marine life photos for yourself and for your portfolio. So like you mentioned earlier, just focus on taking good pictures and hopefully the business comes to you for what you're continuing to reproduce yeah try to develop a style i mean yeah although usually when you try it gets farther away so you just 
have to keep practicing and working at it, and and a style will start to develop that will be a common thread in all of your photography, just like anything else. Just like diving. I mean, even diving. Like, I can look at you in the water, and you have your own particular style uh, of how you move through the water. And I can say, oh, I could, even if that was a silhouette, I could tell, yeah, that's James out there. Right? Yeah, so get out there and develop your yeah. craft. The um, the next point that, that he brings up is something that we, we've hit on a lot in the past and even already today is, is that you must invest in good equipment huh. to, to think that you're going to buy a $1,500 camera system and be a professional photographer with it. It's pretty unlikely just because of, you know, what looks good on the back of the camera or looking at it on your iPhone or looking at it on Facebook is not going to be what's, produced and blown up when it needs to be part of a professional commercial work right exactly yeah those uh those photos have to be flawless okay so whether you do it in camera or you do it in post making those images flawless uh using a good camera will put you you know using a professional camera will put you 10 steps ahead of the rest of the crowd uh, and and you'll you know if you get into photography we can't go into a whole slew of reasons for that but if you get into photography you'll understand what the difference is between just a, a consumer type camera and a professional camera and that doesn't mean you can't pull off a pro shot with a consumer camera yeah yeah because i mean if if you're going to put this into a magazine or or even a professional uh online site there's going to be a requirement for the resolution of that photo that it's going to have to to meet and a lot of just your basic little cameras just aren't going to be able to do that no and especially you know like they mentioned a gopro isn't going to cut it and i i would agree although i mean you can you can pull off nice photos with a GoPro. Uh, it's difficult. You don't have much control over over the image or the you know the light going into the sensor. But uh, you can pull it off. It's just difficult. But once you blow that GoPro picture up, and what I mean by that is just the size of your screen. You put it on your computer screen and blow it up. You'll see it's limiting. It's limitations, right? You'll see that that pixelated image is is far from professional quality, you know. Right, and I, I used to shoot all my photography with a GoPro. Right, you know, I I would you know shoot it quite often in still mode, and I just got used to the the wide angle. Yeah. I got used to you know the limitations of it, and I just learned to work within those mm-hmm. limitations. And it wasn't until, you know, the last couple of years of realizing that I'm never going to be able to get the picture that's in my head with the GoPro with that tool. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, so it, it's like having that Phillips screwdriver in your hand. <laughs> no, no matter how badly yeah. you try to screw that flathead screw in, it's not going to work. It's, it's not going to work with that tool, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, good equipment is key. And it pays off. 
I mean, you buy good equipment, it doesn't let you down. You, you less headaches, more enjoyment, and the images that are coming back are, you know, you're going to be more pleased with them. You, you're going to spend less time working them to try to get, you know, get rid of pixelation or, you know, lens issues. If you got cheap, crappy plastic lenses, things like that, that really makes for for a bad shot when you get in close on it well and and that's the other that's the other part right is the the quality of a of a hundred dollar lens versus a thousand dollar lens you know if you're just posting it onto facebook nobody's ever going to know but when it becomes a you're trying to make it a commercial work well that's where all of those flaws become very obvious if you are going to you know get something published in a magazine for example you're looking at at least 300 dots per inch kind of thing on the printing. So that's what your image has to be shot as, 300 pixels per inch, which is a pretty high, you know, it's a decent resolution. Not It's not 72 like your your internet stuff is all 72. Uh, it's, it's a lot more concentrated. So you can go into that picture. You can blow it up very big, and it's, it's going to be smooth in the... The contrast between the tones are, is going to be sharp and it's going to be, you know, really, really uh, a nice creamy look in the background. All that stuff is really going to show up with a good lens and a good good sensor versus getting that cheap plastic stuff. And yeah, you know, the kit lenses, they work for, you, see, you know, you see the moms on the side of the soccer field with their kit lens that they just got it, you know, they just went and bought the SLR or uh, now they're getting the uh, mirrorless stuff. But anyway, they just went and bought it. They don't know how to use it. The flash is popping up on the soccer field, which is completely useless. Right. That you could have, you just, yeah, you just spent all this money on that. You could take that exact same photo <laughs> with, with your iPhone, exactly. literally. Exactly. It's what do you want to say to them. And actually the iPhone, because it does so much, you know, it does so much thinking on its own. The iPhone will take a better picture probably than than you over there with your put it in auto mode and start sn- snapping pictures of your kid playing soccer. I've uh, seen it a million times, and it's I don't know. They hopefully they start to go, hey, how come all these pictures are kind of crappy? And they'll blame the camera. The yeah. camera. I was gonna say, obviously they didn't get the good camera. Maybe part of it, but you got to know how to use it. Number four that Adam gives us, what you were just saying a moment ago, is you need to become a good diver first. And he also mentions that you should get your solo diver certification. Yeah. And he mentions here, he says, often I see divers with pro-level gear and wonder how they even pass their open water course. This shouldn't even need to be said. But before you ever think of going pro or he says, you know, taking a camera underwater for that matter, you need to have better than average diving skills for multiple reasons. And his first one, and this is what he's talking about with that solo diver certification, he says, you will be alone and away from the group most of the time, and you need to know how to be self-sufficient. You're on your own page most of the time, so unless you've got a teammate who is versed in underwater photography and what it takes to be a teammate uh, with an underwater photographer. You're, you're basically by yourself anyway. Actually, you know, if you go in the water and they're not aware of it, it could be more dangerous than 
being by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're expecting a buddy, but you don't know how to stay near a buddy because you get lost in the, the camera, you could really set yourself up for something bad, which is why he's saying, you know, uh, having a solo or a self-reliant diver course, or what I would say is, you know, doing something like the essentials where you learn to think so much outside of just yourself. You know, I think that learning to be a team diver is actually better than learning to be a solo diver. I'd agree. Because there's a, there's a bigger demand of self-awareness because you're, you're, you're thinking of, of all of these rules for two people or three people rather than just honing in and go just take care of yourself and carry two of everything. I, I think the smarter way is to be a, learn to be a good teammate, which would put you in the position of never getting yourself into a bad situation. I'd like agree. That. I think that's a better solution than, than just becoming the solo diver. Yeah, but either way, it's something more than just I got my right. AOW. Yeah, I mean, that, that is key. You have to be decent in the water. And you need someone to tell you the truth. Again, this is just like the photography part. You can't keep going to these instructors who shake your hand and tell you how great you are as you're flopping around in the mud. You, you need a, a very critical instructor that is going to make you a better diver. You know, he's not there to take your money and give you kudos every time you, you know, clear your mask or whatever. That instructor, he or she, is there to make you a better diver. You know, it's hard to watch your video of yourself when you're struggling and the instructor's telling you all the things that you need to change, right? Right. That's, but the, I'm sorry, <laughs> often those are sad truths yeah. that need to be addressed, right? Because otherwise, you know, when you get the camera in your hand, and you're laying on top of the 10,000-year-old mm -hmm. brain coral, right, trying to take a picture of the trumpet fish, right? Everybody hates yeah. you, right? And everybody wants to kill you, and no one's ever going to want you on their boat ever again. Right? You, who, yeah, who wants to be that guy? And, and like, you go, but I got my underwater photography cards. It's, uh, I got a handshake, and I was told I did great. There's more to it than just what comes out of the camera. Yeah that makes a good underwater photographer. And I think he's making a good point of that. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not to mention being a good diver is going to help protect your equipment too, because someone with terrible buoyancy trim uses their hands a lot. Um, when you get a camera in your hands, that's going to occupy your hand. You're not going to have that same maneuverability. You're going to crash to the bottom. You're going to start using that glass dome port <laughs> as a bumper. It's going to start hitting things. So, and once you scratch a glass dome port, it's on its way out. You know, sometimes the water will cover, will go into the scratch and cover it up. You won't be able to see it in the images. But eventually, if you are a shitty diver, that glass dome port, that camera housing is going to take some hits and it's not going to be good for it. Number five is training. He says training is essential. I, I, I guess to think that, you know, uh, I've got a sweet Instagram reel of, of, pictures on my on my iphone um i like diving that's going to turn into great underwater photography is a little bit of a fairy tale <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he says the training you can receive from someone who is already a working professional is invaluable 
Their experience and guidance will save you so much time in figuring out not only the techniques behind the camera, but also how to navigate yourself through the maze-like world of being a professional. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've learned so much from you is all the little stuff that you're never going to have in a class. You know, even taking a a beginner underwater photography class, taking just a photography class in general, taking a specialized photography class. It's all that little stuff like you were talking about, the the meticulous pattern of of getting ready for the dive, uh, all the dive skills, all the little stuff that goes into it beyond just clicking the shutter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I can't what you just brought up that little ritualistic getting getting prepared i can't emphasize that one enough that is um you don't want to get to the dive site and start putting your shit together okay the di- there at the dive site it's already chaotic isn't it i mean oh yeah especially if you have any sort of a, a hiccup with right. the weather you need a nice clean controlled environment and you need to sit down no rushing the rushing portion of it is is where the mistakes happen. It's where the O-rings get folded or something gets, you know, that housing, you, you have something in that seal uh, that's bad news <laughs> when you go underwater. Forget about it. Yeah. When I teach those classes, that's one of the things I really emphasize is you do that in a ritualistic fashion. You focus on it, clean environment, no interruptions. That's a big one too. And, um, you know, take your time. And then you, you have a nice feeling the next day when you're going diving, you know, you, you have it all assembled, you transport it. I transport mine, you know, it gets a seat belt in my car and you get to the site, you can go diving. You just get ready to go diving and go. You're not putting shit together, usually. <laughs> yeah, and that is something that you learn from diving with somebody mm-hmm. who does this. Absolutely. Right, just just even like how um, how you set yourself up underwater how you position how you approach taking a, a, a photo right i mean like like you you're really good at before you're even looking into the viewfinder you're looking into just the water around you the environment you're paying attention to where the sun is in relation to the the picture that you're going to take where the where the subject is in relation to you and the, there's so much going on that you're only going to learn that through mm-hmm. time and experience in the water and, and knowing it you know to take a quiz question about it and then doing that in the water when all these other variables are coming in with you know time's running late yeah. gas is getting <laughs> low uh approaching your, your computer's beep what all these other variables right. that come into the game you know having that awareness so that it's natural in you yeah that that you get from training and learning and mentoring with somebody and practicing else. yes yeah practice practice and practice more and again they say training is essential not just underwater go take a photography class man get some criticizing of your images in the way you do things and see other people's work and see how they do it that's huge to me number six (laughs) number six is is a great one number six is accept that you will most likely suck (laughs) at the beginning (laughs) 
And I think this is one of the hardest ones for people to come to terms with. Well, you know, I think it's a symptom of a diseased society who thinks everything's easy. To me, it's kind of insulting, isn't it? A little bit when you're teaching someone, say, for example, the essentials. You have been diving for going on 40 years. You've put all this time, effort, money, training. You're constantly practicing your craft. And the students act like they should look like you in the water on day two of the essentials class. And you're like, (laughs) and they're getting mad about it, right? And you're going, well, you know, you're kind of insulting me. (laughs) like like you think you got you had your open water a year ago and you're you're taking the essentials which i applaud you for but to believe that all of a sudden you are going to you know be like this in a weekend class is insanity and and insulting (laughs) right right i mean just look at like any look at this podcast i mean here we i mean i i think we're putting out you know, or, or at least doing this podcast on episode 265, I l- look back and listen back to episodes <laughs> 1, 2, 5, yeah. 10, 20, 264, and I go, oh, yeah, we're still learning Absolutely. every day. And, and like you're, what you're doing today and what you did five years ago – if you don't look back at what you did five years ago and cringe a little bit when you see it, what, what right. the hell have you been doing for the last five years? Like, it doesn't matter if it's guitar playing or shooting pictures or diving or, or really anything. If you're not getting better, you should be questioning what, exactly. what's actually yeah, going on. Yeah, if you haven't changed from the, the, the beginning till years later, you're still doing it exactly the same. You haven't. You know, that's like anything with life, you know, that I think one of the biggest insults you can get also is when you see somebody you haven't seen in like 10 or 20 years, you're talking and, well, you haven't changed a bit. That's kind of an insult, really, isn't it? I mean, right, right. you want to hear, wow, you've really developed into a great human being kind of thing. You're different than the jackass that I once knew. <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe... Yes. However, <laughs> no, it's not set up in the society to to improve yourself. Anyway, yes, you will suck at the beginning. Just accept it and and kind of embrace it. If you get the ego out of the way and say I'm going to suck, I think you're more open to criticism and ways or methods to change the sucky part. Yeah, em- embracing the sucky part I I think is how you mm-hmm. become a good photographer is realizing that the the image is going to suck. And it's going to teach you to start to be able to see the <laughs> yeah. good stuff, right? How to learn even how to find the good magic out yes. of your pictures, right? Because just walking into it thinking that my pictures are all good because my, yes. <laughs> my mom likes every one of my pictures I put yeah. on Facebook, right? You're going to have a uh, rude awakening well, yeah. pretty soon. You can't have friends and family as your only critique circle, right? And I look back at my old pictures like uh, when I first started taking pictures of my kids and their soccer when they were five years old and whatnot. And how over-processed I did the photos, you know, cringe. I literally cringe because you can look at them and go, a moron fucking just got lo- let loose on Lightroom. <laughs> And dialed up the saturation and the contrast and clarity. So trying to think that that's going to make that image pop. And you look at it, you're like, whoa, 
dude, what the hell were you thinking? Well, right. You know, like five, ten years ago, you posted something online. It had to have <laughs> like a wild statue. It had to have some crazy filter yeah. on it to, to make it look different and unique. And uh, in the last couple of years of, of learning this DSLR, like I don't want to touch anything. Like the, the yes, the no the no filter right now is yeah. the real filter. I mean, that's what really shows what you're able to capture. Yeah, you're trying to do everything in camera. In, in other words, you're you right. want it to come out of that camera almost print ready. Yeah, that's the sign of the, the true pros. Yeah, yeah, and which comes to a, a little bit of what we were talking about earlier. You know, for number seven, he says, develop your own signature style. Adam says, you are probably already aware of this fact, but underwater photography, most notably marine life photography, is quite oversaturated and very competitive. There are already thousands of photos of just about any creature you can imagine, ranging from the horrible GoPro slash Dive Plus photos to some of the most amazing images ever. And he goes on to say that that's why you got to have your own little style and niche that, that separates you from everybody else. Agreed. You know, and that could be like how you take the picture, like how you, you know, highlight the photos. Like, do you accentuate the darks? Do you blow everything out? Do you make it saturated and grainy? Like you have a, a little shtick that separates you. Yeah. Get creative, man. You know, it is an art form, which means like you're allowed to break every rule. And if you can break every rule, and have a gem that you can reproduce, you're going to be successful. Exactly. You, that's how you develop your own style. Let yourself come through the picture. Um, his next point is become a social media whiz. A whiz. A whiz. Yes. Well, that is my shortcoming. I'm not a fan of it, but you realize in this day and age, you have to. If you want to do this professionally, yeah. I mean, this is the difference between you and I. And a lot of people out there right now is you and I get so busy, we're doing this, you know, like this <laughs> itself is, is consuming in our lives. Oh, yeah. uh, the ones who are out there actually getting paid <laughs> to uh, take photos and make podcasts, right there, they've got a social media page that they are they're putting up trailers with every episode that they do. Uh, they are like making little snippets that they're buzzing around. They're throwing up little reels on TikTok and Instagram about what they do. And they've got a YouTube channel that, that you know, is the, the I mean, if you're going to be really successful at it, you kind of have to do that if you're right. going to expect anyone to really catch on and see it. Luckily, we started early enough in this podcast that, you know, uh, we've got some fans that shared the show around. But to be able to do it now, I mean, it's so much work. You need I mean, to the, hire a social media expert. Right. I mean, Maybe. just to, to put out our hour-long show a week is nearly 10 hours of work. Yeah. And we're, and we're not doing shit for uh, – really social media marketing and promotion on it yeah well you need a full-time person yeah i mean we are not taking advantage of it like we probably should and could i mean it is a it's for the most part free you would think we would just be all over it but it takes so much time and you know extra effort that you gotta sometimes 
I don't know. In our case, we're just like uh, don't have the time. Well, well, that's the difference being like. And we're not doing this professionally. That's the point. Yep, yeah. yep. So, like, what he's saying in this article, remember, is like, if you're going to start a career as an underwater photographer, these are mm-hmm. ten things that you need to know. And I, I guarantee you, this would be, you know, number eight. Also, if this article was ten things you need to know if you want to become a professional podcaster, right. you better be ready to be a social media whiz. And that's the difference between being. Two idiots that are waiting for their scuba tanks to get filled, <laughs> and we're going to record some jibber jabber uh, talking versus some two guys who want to be professional career. I'm going to make a living as a podcaster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Number nine, he says, get ready to spend some money. <laughs> Can't make money until you spend money, and that those words have never been truer for any profession <laughs> other than photography and in particular yeah. underwater photography yeah well diving is pricey in and of itself photography is pricey in and of itself put them together exponentially it goes up you're like what the fuck <laughs> right and, and then if you want to get something good you know, you're not taking photos at the local mud pond you got to go somewhere yeah. awesome right yeah. So you got to travel, you have to get there, you have to stay, you have to get on a boat. It's a lot going on to to get photos that everybody wants to to see that is going to be able to pay you for. Right. And now that you know you are going to travel to places to take photos, well, carrying this fucking, excuse me, carrying these this camera equipment with you across the globe. Is pricey. Oh, they, right. They, they tend to want to charge you a lot of money to to haul this stuff around. Right. In, in a day and age where divers come into me, at, you know, at, at the dive shop, and they're looking for one bag. Yeah. Right. They're they're going <laughs> on a diving vacation. Uh-huh. You know, and they're like, "Is there one bag that I can put like all my stuff in, and all my clothes, and all my toiletries, and all?" I just want I just want to take one bag with me because the airline's going to charge me fifty bucks for an extra <laughs> bag. Right? And then yeah. they go, "I'm thinking about photography. I don't want to spend fifty dollars <laughs> on a second bag, but I'm thinking about getting into underwater photography." And I just think to myself. Dude, you are barking up the wrong tree, my man. Like th- this is not your game. If you're worried no. about spending, you know, not spending the money for the carry-on bag on a flight, <laughs> <laughs> underwater yeah. photography is not for you. Dude, yeah, there's just this trip down to uh St. Martin. It was you you are only allotted 40 pounds in your checked-in luggage. So I had 3 of us. You know, my boy, my wife, and myself. And uh, I took my fins, my back plate, single tank adapter and wing, and my regulator and mask too. But I didn't bring any, uh, you know, suit or anything like that. And then my camera and underwater housing and strobes, right? So I had 120 pounds between the three of us. And we basically had a couple shirts in our bathing suit. You know, that that's all we took as far as clothing except for michael who who seemed to need like four pairs of shoes <laughs> I, I didn't understand that but uh 
and he wore just one, basically. But anyway, <laughs> you never so know what's going to happen, divi- Dad. <laughs> exactly. You, you never know who I'm going to run into down there. <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, anyway, 40 pounds each. So I had 120 pounds to divvy up for the most part. So we got it at 39.8 pounds for each piece of luggage. I didn't bring anything for Michael. We rented stuff for him because he right, hardly yeah, dives yeah. at all. So uh, there's 120 pounds nearly of I've, equipment for recreational scuba diving with a camera set up. That you have no intent of being a career professional photographer with. Well, right, I, right. exactly. Yeah. I brought nothing extra. Like, I didn't bring video lights. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like a diving no. vacation. It wasn't like a diving nope. photography nope. assignment. Uh, I mean, it, it was just, I, I'm going to take a couple pictures. I might get a diver's so in while I'm on vacation with the family, right? Let alone if you're going to be going to some place and your intent is I'm going to get enough photos, enough good photos that I'm going to sell these to pay for this trip and, you know, cover my car payment this month. Well, you, you better about be prepared to put some money out front. Yes, you're yeah. you're paying for your luggage, man. That yeah. that's all there is yeah. to it. And <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Brando, number ten in this article by Adam Leaders, ten things you must know before starting a career as an underwater photographer. Although you would think it would go without saying, practice, practice, practice. He says, take any and every opportunity you can find to get in the water and practice. This will help you get better and create more content to promote yourself. If you don't have easy access to the ocean, jump in a pool with a a willing model. And I, I like how he goes next. He says, try to do this at dusk, dawn, or nighttime. If you'd like to practice using strobes and different lighting techniques, right? You gotta be in different conditions. Can I get pictures in good visibility? That's easy. Can I get pictures in bad visibility? When the sun is cooperate, uh, when the sun is cooperating as well as when the sun is not cooperating. Yep, all that's going to uh, just increase your ability underwater. So, Jesus, I mean, photography—the word itself just means you know, writing with light or painting with light—is how they, uh, you know, most photographers call it. You need to learn light and. The way light moves throughout the day, the way light reacts to the water and different types of water. And and the way it changes throughout a dive. Yeah. I mean, e- even in so much as one hour underwater, that light's going to oh, change. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to give you two different photos of the same subject, same spot, same environment, different times, two different photos completely, sometimes. Right. And um, you got to enjoy it. Right, right. I guess remembering that like you're there because you like photography. Yeah. If if you're doing this because you think you're going to get a cover shot photo every time you get in the water and that's your goal is is the output rather than the process of the process. learning to become a a good photographer and a good diver, you know, that's where you're going to get burnt out pretty quick. And I guess for me, I'm still at that phase where like I'm enjoying every session. And even though the conditions were terrible last weekend up in Rockport, right. I was like, you know what? We're, we're, we're still in the water. We're still diving. And I've got a new environment to try to learn and see what I can pull off picture-wise. Yeah, It came out as a great dive because it was, it was a, a success for me for what I was trying to do. Absolutely. I can't think of any time or place where having the camera with you wouldn't help your 
your skills in the sense of learning a new environment to take photos in. You know what I mean? It's practice, practice. Get in there and uh, keep taking pictures, topside and underwater. Learn that camera. In conclusion, Adam says, although it can be a long, tough road to having a full-time career as a professional underwater photographer, it is possible. Don't expect it to come overnight. But if you have the passion, dedication, and patience, the payoff is one of the most rewarding jobs and lives possible. The main takeaways are be prepared to invest in equipment and training, be willing to sacrifice for a while, and keep progressing with your skills and marketing. Very good. Yeah, there you go. Pretty cool little article. Uh, You can check this article out at housingcamera.com in their blog section. Um, Again, it's by Adam Leaders, 10 Things You Must Know Before Starting a Career as an Underwater Photographer. Uh, He closes this thing out by by saying that if anyone's interested in learning more, feel free to message him on Instagram.com at A-D-L-E-P-H-O-T-O instagram.com forward slash adolphoto so there you go tell him uh tell adam you heard about him uh from great dive podcast if you message him yeah and this uh this website's a nice little resource for underwater photographers uh yeah there's a lot of great info in here yeah for sure so and that's the housingcamera.com so www.housingcamera.com one word a lot of great little articles, great topics. Um, yeah, I, I didn't even know that was out there. That was a new one for me, so that was pretty good. All right, everybody. Um, should we sign some logbooks, Brando? Let's sign those logbooks. Um, I uh, realized that my photos sucked at the beginning, <laughs> but thank you for keeping me motivated and training. Brando, oh, and baby. they are getting better, especially this one I got of this blue yabby down here on this desk. <laughs> you got some yabbies, eh? Uh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> How's that, dear Jamesy? I agree. All right. Uh, you get these photos posted on social media, you whiz. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody, we will talk to you. Get out there and take some pictures. Send us some photos, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Same dive time, same dive channel. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Love it.